Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. Well, today we're going to begin a new uh, new message series this Easter season that we're just calling Victorious. Very uh, simple and kind of straightforward in its approach, just what the Bible says. And so uh, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you stick a marker over in Zechariah chapter 9 and turn to Luke chapter 19, a very famous uh, passage of Scripture, especially today. Uh, again, happy Palm Sunday. Thank you for being here. It was on this day in uh, historically looking back this day, which would have been in the time frame, April the 6th, 32 AD, that would have been Palm Sunday that year, when Jesus would have come riding in uh, to the city uh, of Jerusalem, uh, announcing his kingdom, uh, arriving as the, the spotless lamb. And historically, the things that are unique about this is that on Sunday, everyone would have been getting their stuff together for that, and on Monday, they would have been presenting their lamb for sacrifice. And so literally what God was doing was bringing his spotless lamb in in front of everybody so that they could see him in order to present him as his spotless lamb for sacrifice this week. And so uh, today is a significant day in the church worldwide. Uh, It marks the beginning of Passion Week, the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry. All of the Gospels uh, record these accounts in different fashions. The Synoptic Gospels obviously capture them the same. The book of John, uh, a little bit of a different take. Uh, John, the majority of John's writing focuses on about the last nine months to one year of Jesus' earthly ministry. And the last, goodness, uh, 10 chapters or so focused solely on this week of Jesus' life. And so there's a lot there to read. I would encourage you to take the time this week to, to spend some time in the Word, digging into that, and what does God have to say through it? Uh, today, Jesus would be celebrated in history there, again, on April the 6th, 32 AD. He would have been celebrated as a king. Uh, in this coming week, he'd be villainized as a criminal. It's amazing how fast public opinion can sway, but it does. It's amazing how fast we can make that turn and that transition Uh, And all of this was in order for God's perfect plan uh, to be done, in order to accomplish God's plan, the the plan of the Father to redeem and restore us into a right relationship with God. So this week, we're uh, going to dig into some some scripture here, and we're going to look at this. It'll be on the screens, but beginning in in Luke chapter 19, uh, verses number 28 through 40, we'll be reading. Uh, Again, you can follow along if you would like. And it says, after telling this story... Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples, and as he came to the town of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he said to them. As you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus said, and sure enough, As they were untying it, the owner asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply responded, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as they rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of them. And when they reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all of the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. 
famous passage of scripture, one that we're all, uh, if you've been around church at all, you are familiar with it. You may be familiar with it in a different version or, or maybe in your mind the, the different uh, gospels portrayal of that sticks out. Uh, some say that they came along and they were waving uh, the palm branches, which is why we call it Palm Sunday, uh, waving the palm, dra- palm branches, shouting Hosanna in the highest, glory to God, peace on earth. Uh, they, they were working through that. Uh, depending on which historical uh, viewpoint you look at it, some scholars say that they wouldn't have waved them. They would have simply laid them on the ground for them to walk on as they pass through. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. What matters is that this event happened, that there were palm branches, because again, it's fulfilling of prophecy. Now, growing up, probably a lot of you were told the same way that I was told, that God doesn't need anything, right? Anybody ever, anybody ever heard that? God doesn't need anything? He doesn't need your help? He doesn't need you? He doesn't need your money? Doesn't need, anybody? A few of you? Yeah. I was always told that. It was a good reminder. It helped people stay humble, right? It's a very good sentiment, good thing to remember, uh, I, I can hear, um, you know, some of you saying, well, yeah, of course God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anything at all. He created the world by speaking it into existence. Surely he does not need anything. Well, I, it's true, I suppose. He, he did speak all of this into existence. True, he is the omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent creator of the universe, yes, It's true he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Yes, it's true he is the great I am. It's true he is the first and the last. He is the soon coming king. All of that is true. He created it all. Literally, he stepped out into the middle of nowhere, took a hold of nothing, flung it out there and told it to stay there, and it did. He put everything where it belongs, took the stars and flung them into the skies and and called them uh, the night, told them that they would light up the night sky, took the sun and put it where it belongs. He literally spoke all of that into existence. And that's the beautiful thing about the act of creation that God in his infinite wisdom was able to step out onto the scene through the sun and speak it. He spoke that and said, this is the way that it is. And in our lives, we see that to be true. And yet, at the end of the day, we've got to kind of wrestle this down, that although it's true, uh, uh, all of that is true, that God spoke all of those things into place, it's also true that God chose to need us. He chose to need me. He chose to need you to fulfill his plan, especially when he left the task of spreading the gospel to the then-known world to these 12 teenage boys, who, by the way, were not even the brightest among all of the sons of Israel. That's the 12 that Jesus picked. He didn't go to the synagogue and pick the best and the brightest. Now, for some of you, you find consolation in that because you've never felt like you were the best or the brightest. Some of you are going, why in the world would Jesus do it that way? Why did he pick 12 goofballs? I took great solace in that because I thought, hey, there's a chance I could have been one of the 12. that, That was a good thing when I understood that. But here's the point. Jesus picked these 12 because he knew that they were looking for a a, a rabbi to call them. They desired that. He knew that they would follow him with reckless abandon and say, I'll give it all. He knew no matter what, they were going to say yes. So he chose to need us when he picked these 12. He chose to need me and you when he said, this is the way I'm going to establish the kingdom is through people. I'm going to spread it through people. He chose these 12 
knowing one of them was going to betray him, and he said that these are the ones I'm going to turn the world upside down with and advance my kingdom. Just like he chose to give us as humanity a free will to choose to love him and follow him and obey him back in the garden, he chose to do it that way. He could have done it differently. He could have programmed us differently. He could have said, instead of giving you an apple, I'm going to give you an Android, but he didn't. He let there be an apple in the garden. I see some of you are going, well, what in the world? See? It's a terrible computer joke, right? It's just proof that Apple was the first computer ever invented. It only took one bite to crash the whole thing. So um, here's the way that it works. Back then, he made that choice. And when he made that choice, he chose us. And when he chose us, he chose to need us. The problem is we fail to comprehend the word need in a biblical context. See, in a biblical context, it's not like you and I understand. Too much of our life is lived in codependency where my happiness is dependent upon your happiness with what I've done. God's happiness isn't that. God's happiness is when we choose to obey, but you know what? At the end of the day, he chooses to need people in order to fulfill his plan, and if we are not willing to fulfill it, he'll choose someone else. He chose us and said, I'm going to make you the one that I want. You're going to be the precious one, the apple of my, the one that I'm going to give my son for in order that you might have life down the road. He's the one that did that. So the text here gives us some clues that we need uh, uh, that we need to answer the question of why God does need anything. Why does He choose to need? Well, see in this in this text, and in in particularly in the verse when when uh, uh, Jesus sends the disciples and He says to tell them that the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. No other explanation, no further uh, uh, anything that goes with it, but it was all in order to fulfill God's plan. See, today as we look through this, we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about the plan, the purpose, and the promise that we find in God needing us and God choosing to need me and you. So when we talk about the plan, what we find is that scholars at at this point, they, they don't necessarily agree on how this text came about. And by that I mean this, some people think that Jesus pre-arranged with the owner of the, of the donkey to be ready to understand when he was going to ask for it. Now, to me, that, that is explaining away the fulfillment of prophecy. That's explaining away and saying, no, 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 that wasn't the point. Some people think that, that he had already pre-arranged it, and so the, the owner knew that when the disciples came and they said, hey, listen, um, we need the colt, that when they said the, ma- the Lord needs it, that they would say, oh yeah, sure, we get it, because it made sense to them that the owner would so easily give his permission. Many times in life, there's a plan in place from God that you and I don't have to understand. We just have to obey, because I think when the disciples showed up and said, we're going to take the colt, and the owner said, hey, where are you going with my colt? And they said, the Lord needs it, that all they did was he stepped back and said, okay. Because there was something working there already for God to make happen. Many times in life, all we've got to do is simply obey. Again, we we tell our kids all the time, there's only one way to be happy in our family, and that's to listen and obey. 
Uh, it's a play on the old, the old hymn that says, trust and obey. To be happy in Jesus, you have to simply trust and obey. Uh, for us, you're going to trust me, but first you have to listen. The same is true in our lives. We have to listen and obey in order for the plan of God to get fulfilled in our lives. See, Jesus sends these two disciples into the village ahead of him to look for a colt. This was fulfilling prophecy. So over in Zechariah, if you've got a, a marker there, flip over there. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. A colt that had never been ridden. Now, growing up, my, my, all of my cousins, all of my mom's side of the family, they all live in Shakota. When you hear people talk about it, if they say Shakota, like you're going to church, they're saying it wrong. They have never been there in their lives. If you've grown up there and spent any time there, you know it's Shakota, like shh, named after the famous Indian chief of the time, Shakot. All my family there, they, they, they all want to be cowboys. They all want to ride horses. They all want to rope. They all want to get, you know, skewered by a bull. And I don't really understand, but they do. As a kid growing up, it was just part of life. You went with them. It was like a rite of passage. I can remember lots of times going in, and it was my favorite when my brother would go, because when we would go to the, to the rodeos, my job as a five, six, seven-year-old was to make sure all of the cattles came down the chute correctly and got in the line, and when they didn't want to go, you had a cattle prod, right? Pull that trigger, and, zzz, and that cow would kick and buck and run on down where he's supposed to go. But I was protected on the other side of the fence. It was perfect, because I would catch my brother not looking, zzz, and he would jump and kick just like the cows did. And I'd die laughing and run for cover and find my uncle and say, Will's trying to get me, right? And so since I was the baby, I got away with it, right? But it was fantastic. We, we did that. The thing that I learned growing up is that you had these wild horses. And my, my uncles, it never failed. They would try to break the horse. And typically would end up breaking a bone and then send the horse to somebody who was a professional and knew what they were doing to take care of it. Because they had no clue. So here they go. They get mounted up. And I, I remember my cousin Keith one time. He is on this horse. And that thing is rearing back. And he is doing everything he can to hang on and falls flat. And that horse is just going to town. Time and time again. Well, the thing that I learned is even if they're miniature horses or a Shetland pony, that was what my, my cousin Tom bought his daughter Brandy and, and we would go and ride it as little kids, and they still had to break this little horse so that people could ride on it. It doesn't just happen. It's not just all of a sudden instinct to be tame and, and allow you to put, put all of your weight on it and ride it and put a saddle on it and go where you want it to go. You have to teach it to do that. So when it says that, that Jesus comes riding on a donkey, uh, the, 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 the uh, colt, Listen, this was not something that had ever been ridden. It was not something that was all of a sudden going to just, yeah, sure, let's put this full-grown man's weight on my backside, and I'm just going to walk like normal. See, it was a fulfillment of prophecy that even Jesus in that moment, what he had need of, he could take and use it for his purpose, even though it didn't make sense. Jesus could step out into the middle of this unbelievable moment, take this colt, get on it, Ride it into town, and it never once tried to throw him off. 
Not one time did it buck. Not one time did it try to run away. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. See, you and I, we've got to realize that there are times in God's plan when he puts things in our way, and in our, play, in, in our time frame, and we're supposed to use them. It's not going to make sense. We're going to look at it and go, why in the world would you ask me to do that? I don't know how to do that. But you've been equipped to do that because God's plan has been put in place long before you understood it. God's plan has been there long ago. This was God's plan. It's been laid since the beginning of time. The plan's been prepared to make a way where there didn't seem to be a way. The plan has been there to prove as evidence that Jesus was the Son of God. Sometimes the plan doesn't make any sense at all. We have no idea how this is going to work. Why a donkey and not a majestic horse? Well, the Bible says he rode in once on a donkey, but when he comes back, he's going to come riding on a horse, on a white horse. He's going to, he, he came entering as, as a servant, but he's going to come back riding again on, on a, a, a stallion, an amazing white horse that is significant and symbolic of a king's horse, something that he should have ridden the first time, he will come riding in this time for certain. And it's a way to present that his plan is unfolding in our lives. Because what seems majestic to us sometimes pales in comparison to the plan that God has for our lives. It seems majestic that he should have come in on the white horse, but you know what? The plan seems uh, will seem like it's a humble beginning. Like I don't understand why God's doing it this way, but we've got to understand his ways are not ours. His ways are higher than our ways. And if he needs us to be the donkey to accomplish his plan, he will. See, there's a whole lot of fun we could have there, but we're not going to. Because you could elbow your neighbor and say, God wants you to be the donkey. I didn't tell you to call him that. Listen. God has a plan, and he needs us to fulfill it. He needs us. Not like a fat kid needs a piece of cake. Okay? Not, not, not that way. Listen, I need Mexican food. That's not how God needs us. God prepares us, and from the very beginning of time, his plan has been preparing a purpose for our lives. He has a plan that needs us to fulfill our purpose in order to complete it. We have to step in and fulfill our purpose. See, the, the purpose is a whole different thing, right? Because, see, God, God lays this plan. And, uh, you know, as, as kids, you know, your kids lay these well-intended plans, right? They, they, they hatch this uh, elaborate scheme for how they're going to make something work, right? Uh, my kids do that. They have this elaborate scheme for how they're going to get mom and dad to give them what they want. Now, I lay these well-thought-out well plans and schemes for how am I going to eat Mexican food more than one time this week. We lay these plans and we put them in place. But then there's a purpose that has to be fulfilled. There's a purpose that each of our lives has to do. See, the donkey wasn't just born. It had been there for a little while. That donkey had to be in a specific place. It had a purpose to fulfill for God to complete the plan that had been laid for thousands of years. The two disciples who were sent... Man, they were sent on purpose, with a purpose to complete a task. The owner of the donkey, he had a purpose to fulfill. Each of these pieces fulfilled an important role in completing and fulfilling God's plan. Each of them did. But before the donkey could be used, it had to be released by the owner. 
You and I have to release our lives and our dreams into the master's hand if we're going to fulfill the purpose of our life. You're never going to fulfill God's plan. I'm never going to fulfill God's plan. You're you're not. We're not. We're never going to fulfill his plan if we're hanging on to our own life, which is why Jesus said that you cannot gain your life by holding on to it. You have to let go of it in order to receive true life. We have to be willing to lay our life down in order to find true life at the end of that. We have to be willing to give in order to receive. That's the reason why the Bible's full of these, because we have to let go in order to be used and find fulfillment in the purpose of God. The donkey had to be untied. Once the owner released it, it had to be untied. We have to allow God to remove every hindrance, every barrier, every chain, every shackle in our lives, of our whole life, that we've never, uh, we have to allow him to have all of it if we're going to fulfill our purpose. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I've never in my life uh, felt like I have been, uh, I've never been unrestrained. All my life I felt like something was holding me back and I've just never had a chance to accomplish what I could. Guess what? Somebody has been sent to untie you, but you have to be willing to let go. You have to be willing to let go of that chain, to let go of that rope that's holding you back. God has a need that you're going to fulfill, and your time is now. God's not waiting until tomorrow to use you. God has a plan for your life today, here and now, in this moment. And he's waiting on you to say, yes, God, you can have all of me to do it. You have to be willing to step into that. The disciples, man, they had to obey after they were sent. Oftentimes, I mean, let's face it, Jesus didn't exactly give them detailed directions, right? Go into the town, find a donkey, untie it, and bring it back. He didn't tell them, go down to this street and make it right, and then go over there, go to this village. When you find a donkey, bring it back. It's a wonder anything got done. Two men, no directions, Go get her done. Usually doesn't work out too well for us, does it, fellas? We need to know which street to turn right on and then when to turn left and then how far to travel down there. And are we looking for which, which tree? Because like, this is not like you know big road signs. It's like, hey, go down there to the, the, the second turn with the, uh, the, the, the two sycamore trees. That's where you're going to turn right. That's the house I'm talking about. You have to get pretty detailed, right? But no, no, that's not what happens. He tells them. Most of the time, us us. As humanity, what we do is we get instructions, and somewhere along the way, we don't necessarily fulfill it. We head out in the right direction, uh, but when when we get there, we saw something that seemed like it was a better idea. These guys had to listen and obey. Because it's amazing they didn't come back with a white stallion thinking, I know what Jesus is up to. He's about to ride in on on, on Palm Sunday. This is about to be an amazing day. We're going to fulfill prophecy and we're going to take back a huge horse. But no, no, no. What do they do? They go and they get exactly what they're supposed to. They had to listen and obey. Uh, They didn't go in and say, oh, I know Jesus said that this is a small village and and we're going to look over there and surely Jesus would rather have that instead of this. This is humble. We could take that. That's amazing. That will for sure impress people. Jesus didn't care with impressing anybody. He cared with obedience. Oftentimes we get caught up looking at everything else and we miss out entirely on what God wants to do in our lives and what he has in store because of our own selfish desires. But when we're all willing to fulfill our purpose that's assigned to us, I mean, that's when it all comes together and it creates the necessary steps in fulfilling the plan of God in our life and for others. God needs you. The Lord needs you. 
You see, God didn't have a plan for us to sit back and just take everything that came our way. God said, you know what, we're supposed to happen to our world instead of allowing it to happen to us. You know, we're supposed to make a difference in the world around us instead of allowing the world to make a difference in us. We're supposed to do something that's amazing for the Lord and be victorious in that, but we've got to step up and fulfill our purpose so that the plan can be completed so that God's promise can be put in place. See, because the disciples were sent and the owner granted permission and the donkey was untied and they retrieved uh, and retrieved the plan of God, it was fulfilled and the promise of God for thousands of generations for all of humanity could come to pass. Had all of this not come together, we'd all be still sitting around looking for a Messiah to have come, wondering if Jesus was ever going to come on the scene. But it all happened in a purpose and a plan and it fulfilled God's plan so a promise could be unleashed for us. See, the Bible's full of promises. According to 2 Corinthians 1.20, all of God's promises are yes and amen. The promises of God come together when we step out into our purpose, when we step out and fulfill what God's put in our lives. You see, the thing about purpose is each one of us have a different purpose to fulfill. My purpose is different than yours, and your purpose is different than your neighbor's. The purpose that God has for you and for me comes together so that his promise is unleashed in the earth. You see, what what happens when we come together with other like-minded believers and allow God to work through us is we see that God's plan, his purpose, it's unfolded, and then all of a sudden things take off. I don't know what God needs you to fulfill. I don't know what purpose he has for you. But here's what I do know, that if you have breath in your body, God has purpose for your life. If there is still breath in your body, there's still purpose for your life. God's not looking at age. God doesn't care. He's not saying, well, you you know, you've hit retirement stage. There's no retiring in the kingdom. I didn't expect to get a whole lot of amens on that one. But, I mean, come on. At no point in time do we get to just sit back and say, yeah, I'm not going to do anything for God's kingdom anymore. God's kingdom is never ending. We're setting it up for the next batch. We're setting it up for tomorrow. We're setting it up for what God wants to do down the road. Imagine had Jesus, because, listen, at 30, that, that, that was nearing the end of lifespan, On the earth in those days, people didn't just automatically live to 75, 80, 90 years old back then. Uh, The life life expectancy in this time frame was not more than about 45 years old. So here Jesus is nearing the latter half of his life, the latter portion, and yet he's still fulfilling his plan. You can look back through all of the, the, the times in history where God took this older generation and said, hey, you know what? I've got a plan for you. You're not gonna leave this earth until you see the Messiah. And yet that's when he departed after he had seen the Messiah. There's all this purpose and plan that's still out there for us so the promises of God can be re- revealed in our lives. Some of you, your purpose is going to be to pray in things that you'll never get to see. Some of you, you're going to pray in a generation of people that are going to experience the love and the power of God because you prayed the price, but they are going to experience the blessing. Jesus fulfilled the promise of God when he sat on that donkey and rode in from Jerusalem. It doesn't make sense why the King of kings and Lord of lords would come riding in on a donkey, but he did. 
Because that was his purpose. We don't get to pick and choose. That's the purpose that I want. It's the purpose that God has predestined for me and for you to fulfill. We've got to step in so the promise of God can happen, so the promise of God can be unfolded. You never know what promise you're going to be fulfilling in someone else's life when you do what God has put in your life to do. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans. I know the plans I have for you. To give you hope. You know, at the end of the day, each and every one of us, there's this, this human longing inside us to feel like we have fulfilled something, we've accomplished something. We get to a certain point in our life and we start to look back and take measure on what's been accomplished. What have we done? What have we established? What have we built? You know, Pat, last week, it's a, a phrase I've heard him say numerous times over, that when I get to heaven, I want to have spent it all. I don't want to get there and for the Lord to say, you still had work to do. You know, in our lives, especially as, as Americans, we want to look at what kingdom did we build in our own lives. What does our little microcosm of the American pie look like? What does the accounts that we're leaving on to our kids, what have they amassed? And I'm all for leaving inheritance. It's scripture. I'm, I'm with you. But more than a monetary inheritance that we've left behind, have we left behind a spiritual inheritance that's something that they can take and go and grow on. You see, today, I, I'm not foolish enough to, to think that any of this that we do here today or that we're a part of around the world is anything that I've built on my own. I know whose shoulders I stand on. I remember all of the conversations with Dr. Dan Schaefer at his house while I was helping him clean out his garage because that was part of my job. I, I remember the times driving him to to Springfield, Missouri, so he could speak to the, the chapel service at Central Bible College. And as I'm driving up the road, he's laying down in the back seat, back seat sound asleep. And I wanted to go to sleep too. Because I was driving his car, and it was very comfortable. I rem remember those moments. I remember those times. <clears throat> Far too often we look at how a person has ended and never once do we take a, a look back at how they began. We take measure of what they've left then and, and said that's where we should be starting. And yet we've got to realize that there was a starting point that was so humble that was beyond anything we could imagine or compare. Jesus came riding in on a donkey so that the promise of God could be fulfilled so that you and I today could stand here and, and reminisce and talk about what has been and what God has accomplished and what God's done and that you and I have purpose in life. And we could stand here and reminisce and say, you know what, one day we hope to be able to accomplish what it is that God had in store for us. See, the difference is we've got to take measure of where God has us today. What spiritual legacy are we leaving to our kids? What spiritual legacy is being drugged behind us by our children? You know, one of these days we're, we're going to take measure of that. And sometimes we're going to take measure and we're going to realize that there were mistakes that were made. 
But let's not let those be mistakes that were uh, uh, done partially. Let's let those be mistakes that were done head on at full speed, knowing that we're doing the very best we can to give them everything God has for them. You and I have a purpose and a plan today. We have a plan that was given by God that was unfolded thousands of years ago. There's a purpose that you and I have to fulfill in order to see all of God's promises laid out complete and full, in full view for everyone else to see. As we fulfill our purpose, here's the thing, and worship team, if you guys will come on back. When we get to the, the point where we're talking about our, our purpose and fulfilling it and the, the promises of God and how this all works together, here's the deal. You and I will, may never realize what it is that God is going to use us to accomplish. You know, what seems like a very small thing, we're going to sit back and we're going to go, wow, how in the world did that come to pass? How did, Lord, did you use that donkey in my life? I didn't ask you to look at your neighbor. But the truth is, sometimes someone who is just so stubborn that they won't give up is exactly the person God wants to use to bring each of us to where God has us. You see, I, I can remember story after story after story being told, and especially growing up, I remember these stories, you know, of how people just didn't quit. They just prayed through. They just, they never stopped. You remember these stories? I remember these stories of people praying through until something absolutely changed. I remember people praying through until that person got saved. I remember, uh, you know, just constantly at their door knocking, hey, listen, come to church with me. Hey, come to church with me. I want you to come to church with me until finally they gave in and said, okay, okay, fine, I'll come. And they come and they give their life to Jesus and it changes everything. I remember those kinds of stories and I wish I could hear more of those stories today. I wish we heard that more often. The problem is, far too often, especially today, we're afraid of offending people. And guess what? They're going to get offended anyway. So if they're going to get offended anyway, take the chance. You know, and my, my favorite TV show in, uh, ever was The West Wing. I own the entire series, uh, entire show on DVD. Thank God it's on Netflix now, so I don't ever have to change a DVD, but that's a different story. There's a point in there in, in one of the episodes where they're going to the debate. It's the second election for uh, President Bartlett. And they're going to the debate, and they've seen all this polling data that says he's going to be, be perceived as um, an arrogant know-it-all no matter what happens in the debate. doesn't matter. You're not going to change the perception. And so one of the guys wakes up and says, it's a gift. If there's nothing we can do to change their perception, then we can be that. You know what? If people are going to be offended no matter what, then what's to bother with taking the chance? You see, Jesus didn't come riding in on a donkey so that that thousand-year-old prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9 could be fulfilled just to say it was fulfilled. It wasn't just to fulfill it. It wasn't just one more piece of proof, one more evidence. It was so that one day we could be sitting here talking about it and our hearts could be pricked so that we could realize that all of these pieces came together so that the promise of salvation could come to us. 
See, when we talk about being victorious, the whole point and why Jesus needs us is so he can be victorious in winning the lost, so that he can take back the de- what, what the devil has stolen, what he has taken captive, so he can bring it out of captivity, so that we can see others come to the glorious salvation of Jesus Christ. That's why he did it all. That's the purpose. That's the plan. That's the promise that's been laid out for all of us to see. He needs me. He needs you. And we all have to fulfill our part. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Perhaps you're here and you'd say, Pastor Travis, my life is not at all near where God would have it to be. I've allowed sin in my heart and life and it has separated me from his purpose and plan for me. But today I want to see that changed. Today I want to see something different happen in my life. And I want to come to the saving knowledge of the grace of Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you slip up a hand? Here's where the rubber meets the road for the rest of us. And maybe you're here today and you would say, Travis, I I have not been fulfilling what I know God would have me to do. I've just not been doing what I know is he's put in my heart to accomplish. Yes, I love God. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes. There's, There's part of me that I know he has a purpose for my life and I've not been doing that. If that's you, would you slip up a hand? And here's the last question. And if God's put something in your heart and you know you want to go after it, but you're just not sure how, you say, I know God's got something that I'm supposed to be doing and I know what that is, but I don't know how to get there. I've got this loved one that I know I want to share Jesus with. I know I want to make a, see a difference made in their life, but I, I don't know how to get there. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to go about it. If that's you and you just need wisdom for how to do that, would you slip up a hand? All right. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to ask everyone to please stand all across the room. In just a moment, our, our prayer team is going to come. Everybody please stand. In just a second, our our elders and prayer team, they're going to make their way down to the front. And if you raised your hand at any point, whether it was, I need salvation, or I know God has a purpose for me, and I'm just not fulfilling it, or, or I've got a purpose, I don't even know how to get there to accomplish that. We want you to come. We want to pray with you. We also want to say, if you need prayer for anything, if you want someone to agree with you about anything, we want to do that. So if our, our prayer team, our elders, if you guys would come as the worship team.